so itself um, major aim is the liberation of the heart liberation of citta freedom of mind if you want to put it then it's important to know what what traps it and how how that liberation process can occur mm. and there are two levels of that both the being captured and being liberated and essentially um, you have the, the most apparent level is the the activations or the sankara is the sense of where well, something happening moving me along something coming in something winding me up something frustrating something I'd like to have something I don't want to have mm. so it's going on so one, one's heart is always on the run or looking for something to be supported by or feeling a sense of things not supporting it and what, so what are the things that um, what are these objects these, loosely speaking these are, the phrase you use in Thai is uh, a rom which um, a Ramana is the Pali for that and these, these are perceptions and feelings so nothing else but this actually no form no physical form affects the heart um, no taste, no sight only the perceptions senses the, so the sense doors the sense objects themselves only affect the heart through perception and feeling not in themselves they can be seeing, hearing, touching, tasting or those sense objects but the perception and feeling admittedly it's uh, only um, you know it takes a lot to be able to separate the form from the perception you see a form you think it's a beautiful form that's bound up with it actually just the form you see, you see a beautiful form it looks like a beautiful form <laughs> but the beautiful bit is the, is the perception sense of beauty you know like if we look at this Buddha image to me that's a beautiful form but actually you know when you see it's just it's just curve curves and mass and you know it's what it suggests really, it suggests softness, it suggests flowingness, it suggests um, um, quiet, um, light, it's a white form uh, and then because it's it figured in the shape of a human body rather than just resin blob it's a human, human body there's some sense of oh you know it's a little bit like me, not much like me <laughs> A little bit, you know, there's a sense of some kind of empathy there. If it was a dog or a rabbit or something, a giant rabbit. Um, then also, you know, some animals we get a lot of empathy with our pets, dogs and cats and rabbits. We want a monitor lizard, a giant monitor lizard, which also have curves in it. Um, we probably wouldn't think it was that inspiring. So all this is the the meaning, 
both the, the meaning of soft, uh, a curve rather than jagged line or something that's rough, smooth, soft, curving, white, they give us a kind of a comfortable, easy, relaxed um, aromana. And that's exactly why we have one. And because it's, it's a shape of a human body, it's kind of making a message. A human being can be like this, you know. Human beings, it could be like this. Mm. And then we look more closely and see that the lips are curved. And this to us means smile, which means I'm happy. And it's a quiet smile. It, means, it doesn't mean I'm laughing. It means I've got a sense of contentment. So that, those are the meanings, aren't they? And they touch us. Mm-hmm. So we get that aromana. That's a perception. Perceptions. And um, mm-hmm. based upon particular things you could, you know, that was originally worked out on a piece of paper using particular measurements and mud, clay, you know, stuff itself doesn't have that aromana. You know, that's really, you know, physically that's what it's based upon, just things that by themselves just, you know, six inches doesn't mean good, bad or anything, it's just that. And yet when you see it, you can't see it as as clay or stone or resin, you see it as Buddha. And um, beautiful, or at least soft and curving. And, and gentle. So, the, so it's wound up with that, isn't it? That's what moves us. We might. So perceptions are the visual one and the mental one there. There's the visual one, just the, the sight of something that is of that shape. And then the mental one is the mood, is the sense of, oh, this is the Buddha, this is a human being. Mm. Or represents a, a, what we aim for. So there's a lot of mental perception as well as visual perception. So it's and then the light and so forth, and it's set in this particular place, you know, which is quiet and spacious and uncluttered. So all those things tot up, add up. Mm. The feeling comes from both the physical feeling, you know, things that arise from sense contact, physical contact and mental feeling which arise from um, perceptions. And this is what moves us for good, inspiration, and for bad. Cold, hard, rough, violent, sharp, bad or um, violence, abuse, neglect, death, destruction, these things, perceptions, make us feel sad, depressed. Mm. So this is the first level of, of what the heart is caught by, for good or for bad. So there's a certain activity with that. So perceptions and feelings are said to be the chitta sankara, 
literally they, they can't be because Sanya and Vedana is not Sankara but it's the thing that triggers that particular rush or sink of heart energy glowing or you feel sad and there's a how that affects the body after a while and so, and so it does um, if we're in somewhere loud, abrasive, violent you can feel your body start to, it gets the meaning and the body starts to sense protection look out, be careful, the nerves start to tighten up and close down a little bit so you get a bodily effect from it warm, friendly, relaxed nice people, something in your shoulders drop, the chest opens you feel, oh yeah, okay start to feel better mm. and because of um, the way that the feeling of perception itself is it gets um, programmed in doesn't it? So we, when we look at the, that image, we don't have to figure out, oh, that's like a human being. We immediately recognise eyes, you know, arms, and so forth. So mental perception is is stored up. We've got like a filing cabinet. What's that remind me of? Oh, it's that. And that's good. Or oh, it's that, and that's bad. So you've got kind of a. This is the vipaka or the residues of that. So of course, um, and that's not particularly, doesn't seem to be running all the time, it's latent. You know, it's that you're walking around remembering what human beings look like. It's there, kind of latent, and as soon as you see one, it, oh, that's a human being, it's not a tree, it's not a cow, it's a human. It's latent and then gets activated by specific contexts. Now we also carry, uh, so we carry all that without recognizing it. It just gets triggered, fired up. So there's also the um, this capturing for good or for bad um, is already primed. So we can be walking around with a latent sense of mistrust. Isn't specifically related to anything, just kind of carrying this cloudy, smoky mood, kind of a, a latent um, thing of that nature. Because perhaps there's been a lot of um, hurtful, unfriendly things in our lives. So it's there. And then we see something that triggers that again, that reminds me of. You know, here's somebody speaking loudly. You think, oh, it reminds me of anger. And you don't really think it, it just happens automatically. We feel a little bit frightened. Maybe they weren't being angry, but the sense of a, a loud or quick, harsh, clipped tones. Hmm? So even with particular ways in which people speak in languages, like Italians always sound like they're singing, you know, or excited perhaps they always are <laughs> that's the language you know you get those particular kinds of, uh, uh, of ways of using language mm. so we get these kind of um, sonyas happening 
So a lot of this can be going on, you know, what's the perception of men, what's the perception of women? And it probably, probably there are several of them, you know, it's not just one, depending on particular behaviours that uh, can trigger off that in us. Yeah. What's the perception of a group of people? Again, it could be have several of them. One of them is they're all one thing and I'm I'm another thing. I'm the odd one out. Or they they may all gang up on me. Um, you know, I'm supposed to conform with them. You know, I'm regimented or conform with them, or they don't like me, or I've got to make sure I'm as good as they are, which aren't necessarily you know, active and conscious, but can be there. So we only notice it when something happens that makes us suddenly feel, oh dear, I did that, nobody else did that, and I'm wrong. Imagine nobody else even noticed it. You know? Or somebody says, would you like to say something, and then suddenly there's 20 people listening, oh dear. And you feel, even though rationally you can say, oh, these are okay, they're my friends, they're not asking for anything. In particular, you get kind of this involuntary rush of feeling extremely self-conscious and frightened. So it's captured, isn't it? Like that. This is Jitasankara. It's the garden of the heart when it's that which is lovely and beautiful and it's the wilderness of the heart, the desert, the jungle the place of angels and demons. Remember, nothing else affects us. No touch, no, no form, no physical form. Nothing else affects us apart from this. What we make, what we involuntarily make of it, because the process is so involuntary, we assume it actually is in the form, it is in the person, it is in the situation it is there because it's such an involuntary thing till perhaps you begin to listen to you've got living with 30 people oh he saw that she felt that I don't, know, I don't get that at all you know you realize it, oh, perhaps it is slightly <laughs> subjective yeah. and you know doesn't mean that one's making it up, but it helps to give one some sense of of the d- dependent arising and involuntary n- nature of these effects. Yeah. So all this is the Chittasankara is the first level of the captivity. The second is much more deeply ingrained. The Chitta is captured by volition primarily by the sense of I am but that expresses itself through um, volition I need to be, I've got to be, I can't be, I will be, I won't be you know, something that keeps us you know, this welling up pushing, itching, I am but it's never really I am, it's I'm about to be, or I could be, or what will happen if, or what I was. It's something that's pushing us in time. We've got a volitional quality, and that volitional quality seeks an object, an aramana, to um, move around. Mm-hmm. So, it, I am, 
the irony of it is this sense of I am, which seems to be so core and basic and just me and nothing else but me and everything else is other than me. You know, I am this and everything else is other than me. It actually depends on something other to establish itself upon. It depends on an aramana of some kind. You can't say I you say I am hungry, I am sad, I am happy, I am wonderful, I am depressed, I am I am a body, I am a woman, I am a man, I am old, I'm it depends on something, doesn't it? And yet it's saying I'm I don't depend on anything. I'm separate, I'm core, this is basically what I am. You say, Well what are you? Well I am a space, I am a light, I am a child of the universe or whatever. <laughs> So it's saying, I am, but it's proving I'm not. It's proving that that I only exist in relationship to something else. And what what the something else is, is an aramana. So therefore there's always the seeking of an aramana, or the repelling of an aramana, or the quelling of an aramana, or the boosting of an aramana of some kind. So that's the volitional you know, core is that, and it wells up, and this, this, this is the activity, the sankhara of the citta, this is kind of seeking, reaching out, and then, you know, that's, that's the sankhara bit of it, and then it grabs perceptions and feelings, moulds them, and then more sankharas get generated out of that, out of that perceptions and feeling more energy, more excitement, more depression, more, you know, more, more, more. Of one kind or another. So the second level of, of captivity is captivated by the very sense of I am. And in Dhamma practice, the process of liberation is first um, calming or quelling or stabilizing the citta sankara is something that's steady, pleasant, um, not an issue, uh, not strained, it's just relaxed and alert and wholesome. And then we depend upon that aramana, naturally. But then the dependence is one where it's, it's stable and steady enough to be able to provide a basis for insight. See, oh, this is just that. And it's rather like, you know, the headstand, if you like. You come up there, then as you come into something that's, that's pretty steady, there can be just this, the effort becomes less and less until there can be the stopping, and then the boundaries dissolve. And we didn't even recognize there were boundaries because they're so always there. One feels wrapped in something something tactile, something psychological. The meanness is like a cloud or like a, a veil that wraps around. It's kind of got a, uh, you know, a tang to it, a smell to it, a, a feel to it, a meanness. And sometimes it gets really quite tight and um, charged when me is, the meanness is being defensive. It feels really tight and it, you know, prickly and sometimes it gets kind of, it's reaching out, sometimes it croons when it's happy. It's, it's the meanness. Mm. But there can be a dissolution of, of that, a dissolving of that. 
Now, this is what insight, just by, by noticing, oh, that's an Aramana, that meanness. Even if it's there, it's, it's still an, just an Aramana, so the tendency to cling to it. Mm. So it's rather like you can see through it, rather like seeing through the glass. Maybe the glass in the window has to be there, but you can see through that. Oh, it's just the just glass, it's like that. When one is not fascinated by the I am, or disgusted by it, or obsessed with it, or you know, even trying to demolish it still focuses on it and intensifies it. At the level of working with the citta sankara then uh, meditation, the first processes of meditation to establish a steady sphere. Mm. I use the word sphere for particular reasons. But we might say, okay, whenever there's sati, we get the the point, the center of the center, center point, the present moment, and then gradually as we cultivate around <coughs> that, it begin, begins to develop a kind of, kind of something like a, a mood, which is calm, pleasing, flexible, workable, you know, enjoyable. Mm-hmm. So this, from this point of sati, mindfulness, you gradually develop a kind of a something that you can feel it suffuse your body or suffuse the thinking system the thinking system starts to calm down suffuses the heart and the tightness or the flusteredness begins to wane instead there's something more like space or warmth or light or you know something of that nature and it begins to enrich the bodily sankara so you feel steady you don't feel hurried, you don't feel tense. If you're present, you're in your body, you feel, you know, grounded. Uh, and that's standard of samadhi. So it becomes rather like a, a dwelling place that you can walk in, stand in, sit in. And because it affects the whole of the nervous system, then naturally in that everything that you see and hear comes through that. So you suddenly see, you see the beautiful um, or the bright or the gladdening. You see it in other people, you see it in the world around you, you tend to see that. You know, things I know myself that when the mind is settled, suddenly you know one notices the, just the you know, sky looks suddenly beautiful in some way. Not that it looks any different, but there's a quality of appreciation of um, simple things, the taste of a cup of tea, feeling of the feet on the ground, with sight of other human beings. Oh, nice, pleasing. Mm-hmm. Because the basic the system itself is is just in in a good state. Now the 
standard practice is cultivation of the Brahma Vihara. We'll talk a bit more about this today. Um, really, it's not, you know, you can develop this into a state of collectedness. You might say, first of all, it's, a, it's a, like an attitude of um, to others as to myself. It's a whole attitude of bringing forth uh, well-being, all the phrases of abundant, exalted, uh, um, uncramped, free from hatred and ill will. So it's something that's rich, it's lofty, it's high, it's it's um, it's not coarse. It's a kind of pure state, and it's uncramped, and to others as to myself. This gives you a sense of the circularity of it, if you like. It's to it's all that's around me, other beings, and also to this, you know. You might say that this is really what the whole path is about, so that however we practice meditation and Buddhism, we've always got to bear in mind that the aim of this is to stop suffering. <laughs> you know, it's to find a way out of suffering. So the basic theme of it is this is for your well-being this is to for your well-being in the future is to protect you from dangers or damage that can occur in the future this is to clean out bruising and unskillfulness that's occurred from the past this is for your well-being this is offered out of compassion rather like like any medicine so it doesn't taste that good but when we trust that and we then release you know, we can apply medicine that's astringent in a kindly way, just as a good doctor or nurse knows the quantity, knows how to apply astringent medicine with a kind of loving way or a calming way or a reassuring way and just not overwhelming. You know, this is a bit pungent, but take a drop of this and you'll be all right. <laughs> It'll do you good, you know, clean out that particular thing. So. Even the kind of tough bits really are, are there with the same in mind. The Tathagata teaches out of compassion for the many folk. And like, you know, trying to free up tapeworms that are stuck in your gut, some of that medicine can be a little bit bitter. You don't really recognize the things that are eating you up. Craving, passion and lust. In practicing, cultivating the Brahma Vihara, I think it's, it's very um, important to, to find a skillful perception that gives rise to that, a particular perception or, or a particular mental object that gives rise to that Aramana, the Ramana of, of well-being. So, 
although all the Brahma Viharas are described in the same way as measureless, exalted um, to others as to myself, free from hatred and ill will, they're all, they're all described in that way. So they all have the same theme. Metta is, is concerned with well-being, it's said to be um, the way that mother regards a baby. This is a good mother, that is, with a baby she likes, you know. Um, saying, oh, maybe I want this to be well. So it's a sense of the nourishing. And, uh, and in karuna is a sense of protecting, warding off illness, attack, and so forth. The protective sense. Let's be free from that. Mudita is the sense of um, taking, being glad in the child's welfare. Oh, he's growing. Oh, that's nice. He's growing. He's looking well. She's looking happy. She's strong. And Pekar is the sense of like a even equanimity. Um, oh, now, now, now they're, they're fit to look after themselves. That's fine. Now they can look. He's going. He's doing what he needs to do. She's doing what she needs to do. She can look after herself. That's okay. There's a sense of you know, one's, one steps back from that and the mind is even. Mm-hmm. They're growing, they're learning. So, but all of these have the primary sense of an, uh, like an, a heart that is expansive, connecting and um, endowed. It's not bleak. It's not contracted, uncramped. I mean, the sense of having this resource that widens us and opens us and makes us more um, richer in ourselves. Imagine we just looked at everything like a lizard does, or as we imagine lizards do, we don't want to do lizards down, perhaps they've got great soft hearts, but we see that as a kind of cold way of behaviour. Imagine if we treat each other like that, or if we do treat each other just as functions, you know, talk to each other in clipped tones just as functions. Do this, do that, yes, so what, right, today is this, this, next, you know. And then, what does it feel like? And you, you get officials talk to you like that. You know, you feel, well, no point being with this person, I, you know, I'm just a statistic. And you kind of feel yourself withdrawing. You're not going to get anything, any response from that. What's it like uh, with someone or something that you can feel? There's a sense of response and effect. You know, when you feel a little bit more fluid and open and uh, the energies are moving in a beautiful way. So what is it that we can bring up that, that does that for us? You know? I mean, the, some of the so the standard always was, well, just think of your mother. And this, I think particularly some of the Tibetan teachers were astounded that when people thought of their mothers, they went into states of anger and resentment. <laughs> Depends what kind of mothering occurs. So we thought, well, okay, well, forget that one.
and looks at you with a sense of, oh, I'm so glad you're here, you know. So it's unfortunate that we have to think about a dog. If you haven't had a dog, you use a goldfish. Or <laughs> so you bring up a, a, some kind of mental object that makes you feel it's to yourself. So when we notice when we chant the reflections on meta, it always begins with, may I be well. <laughs> You know, it's may I abide in well-being, may this be for me. Because it's only, you know, I guess it doesn't really matter particularly, but the, you look at it that way, it's like just warming the heart up. You know, so you get that sense, oh, now I feel a little bit warmed up. Yeah, that's nat- and it's quite natural. Well, I'm feeling good, really great. You know, I've become a little more fluid. Whereas if, if I feel like kind of frozen down and rigid and, oh, okay, not good, do some loving kindness to people, okay. Here we go. It becomes um, a chore. It's like be nice to people, be a good girl, say your prayers, be nice to people, this kind of thing. And then we've had that kind of conditioning, we don't feel a great sense of metta, but you've got to be nice to people. So what does that do? Maybe you can't do it, then you feel, well, not a very nice person. So then you feel guilty and angry about yourself. So, you know, if it doesn't happen. So, you know, like, what makes me feel May I be well? What can make me sense that? Not just as a thought, but as a real energy. We bring up a skillful object. You know, of course, in in these um, in Buddhist culture, these objects are Buddhas, Bodhisattvas, you know, saintly beings, some kind or another. So you kind of imagine or visualize and being there, or imagine or get that sense of being regarded in a blessed way. Mm. And perhaps in our culture we find it difficult to do. You know, we're not so developed in that way, but you can try that. Or you can imagine something like a, 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 a good friend, you know, or even just um, sunlight. You know, just sitting and having the warm sunlight, which is for, in Britain is, you know, sun is not a hostile thing as it is in the tropics where you run away from it, get in the shade, but, um, oh, that's lovely, get out in the sun, shine. So you get the sense of something coming towards you that's just making you feel good. And developing that, Aramana. So that it becomes not something that, that you're, seems to be coming from within you, but something that's around you. You know, it's like, first of all, you get in the warm place and it warms you up. You know, you get in the well-being place and it warms you up. is isn't something you've got to do in a, in a, in a mechanical way. You know, just imagine, you know, something that's saying, I'd like to know what you really like. How can I do that for you? You know, and then of course the demons was ah, I don't bother. <laughs> you know, they kind of 
So you have this demon layer of perception. Oh, I'm bothered. I don't really haven't deserved it anyway. Or I'm all right. I'm all right on my own. Don't deserve it. You know. Or don't trust you. Something like that. So you've got to keep working with it till the demons begin to, you know, evaporate. Or even talking to the demon. Oh, hello, demon. What would you like, demon? Would you like to have a little complain? Would you like to complain? You can complain to me if you like. Tell me how bad it all is and how nobody likes you and it's rotten and treats you bad. Just please, I'd really like to hear that. And demons sort of go, Oh, you know. So you get the sense of even Goldimani Metta towards your own own demons. It's been hard, hasn't it? Mm, yeah. <laughs> so that you know, so that way of 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 coming up these loosening up these compacted states of mistrust and ill will. So we may be walk, walking around in that, which is as latent, as not active, not saying I hate him, I hate her, he's rotten, but with a with a kind of latent sense of well, you know, you can't do very much, can you? And I suppose it's all right, and I guess I'll get on, and everybody's looking after themselves, I suppose, and, you know, struggle here. I'll get, I'll get through okay. We don't think we're experiencing ill will. You know? But there are, the compacted layers of ill will are become whole strategies of coping with that. The strategies are, I'll survive, I'll be all right. I'll survive. You know, wonderful. You know, it's like. Uh, so where are you if, if it's survival? You know, where, what, where, what, what's the sphere you're dwelling in? If, if, if survival is the topic, you know, it's a battlefield, isn't it? You know, and we're walking around in a in a battlefield, or that one, you know, survivor. Then the other one is the. Uh, don't complain one which means you know expect second best maybe third best because you're not really worth much so just be content with second best and half rations and you know don't expect very much of yourself because you're a bit of a failure so what's that don't ask for any help from anybody because you know nobody What's that? Isn't it lovely to, you know, something beautiful about being able to share um, kindness? Isn't it an enjoyable thing? This is something we feel, I don't want to bother you. you know, so do we get that, the kind of Oliver Twist mentality of the neglect? What's that? You know, we're walking around in a state of, of, of being content to be neglected because it's it's a strategy to stop feeling it feeling the ill will or the lack of compassion because you, you say oh, no I don't feel any lack of compassion you just you know you just look after yourself I suppose and get by and do what you can and <laughs> don't complain well, where's where's the you know where's the richness of heart in that we walk around in that. Where's the mudita in that? 
with the sense of empathetic joy in that. Remember, empathetic joy to oneself, to others as to myself. Do I rejoice in myself? Do I say, you know, well, you know, really good that you're here. You know, you, you, sense of of that. You know, you're 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 you're, you're welcome here. Mm. Or do we just live on the margins because we don't want to take more than we a crumb <coughs> or two, rather than you know something that's more generous towards ourselves? This is ill will. So you get that the niggardly, the survivor, the victim. You know, always feels that they're the, they're the one who gets dumped on. Or even the person who expects to be dumped on the doormat, you know. Here's my face, would you like to walk on it? <laughs> That's my role in life. <laughs> you know, you get this kind of thing who, who 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 puts up with things, being a doormat is like, Well, I'll go home and cook the dinner for you ungrateful pigs. You think, Oh goodness, please don't, I'd sooner starve. You know. That 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 kind of attitude, whereas you you know you do things for people, but you do it with a sense of of regret or inner complaining. Where's the where's the where's the great heart in that? So we anaesthetize ill will underneath these layers, you know, of not regarding ourselves very much, not regarding, not taking ourselves seriously, not regarding ourselves with a loving, endowing, bestowing heart. But because it's latent and impacted, one doesn't recognize it. Yet the heart is really restricted. And it's restricted towards oneself. How can, how can you get the sense of it being abundant towards others? So we end up being abundant towards others in kind of rationed ways. Okay, I'll give you half an hour I'll put up with you for half an hour, I'll do my duty, that kind of thing. You know. um, so we're, we're actually just trying to um, stave off further, further blame or ill will or damage. Placating the universe. You're placating the universe. Where are you living? Mm. We may have assumed that this is the only world there is, is a miserable, ungenerous, hostile world that gives us a few crumbs and tells us not to complain about it. But just recollect the only thing that touches your heart is your perceptions and feelings not anything else and they're generated right now Mm. so of course you know we can all narrate stories that legitimize the neglect the downness the depression the fear you know the mistrust the damage you know we can all probably with a bit of introspection come up with something like that. Yes, of course, but can you get to the trigger that 
brings the past into the present. Mm. Most of us need some protection from ourselves, from our negative aramanas. We may think we need that from other people, certainly that could be the case, other people's negativity, but just really primarily from one's own, how other people can trigger off your own self-aversion, depression. Mm. So of course, an, you know, an accomplished being like the Buddha, you know, the story, one of his stories is the, the Brahmin or somebody is, like, is abusing him and cursing him. And the Buddha said, excuse me, you know, if, if somebody gives you a gift and you, you take it, is that, is that thing yours? It's, well, if, you, if you're given something, yes, it belongs to you. And you pick it up and it belongs to you, you take it, it belongs to you. It's fine, well, you've just given me some abuse, I'm not picking it up, therefore it belongs to you. You know, I mean, this is someone who's really got their sphere established. <laughs> you know, that's yours. Really, has mastered their aramanas to not pick up. Partly because the Buddha is someone who doesn't want an aramana. You know, doesn't his mind is not dependent on them. Therefore, hasn't got that kind of Velcro mind that tacks on to praise and blame, happiness, unhappiness, gain and loss. But for us, you know, we need to develop that, uh, free ourselves. First of all, becoming someone, someone who can generate a supportive sphere and not just a sphere of, of that's not directly doing me any damage right now but something that is a sense of lifting me, holding me, caring for me repairing, cleaning right now this is our work you know? and it's work but it, it's also it's the work, it's the labour of love, you know, path, the Eightfold Path. It's a labour of love, you know. You cultivate it in the, in the way, the right way. You know. How can I clean, how can I heal, how can I... What's the right, not just the medicine, but how's the right way to apply it? So it's not hurry up, get well soon, you know, you've been here sick for two days already, get out. Mm. So the Buddha say, you know, these these Brahmaviharas are things that should be thoroughly um, cultivated, got going as a vehicle for liberation. You know, not just about being nice to people, being a good girl, being a nice boy, but they're about really, you know, establishing a place to live. They're viharas. And then we establish that, we might begin to have the possibility of finding out who lives there. Is there anybody living there? Mm-hmm.